Because no two investors are the same, one size doesn't fit all. There's more to it. At S&P Dow Jones Indices, we offer index strategies for all types of investments. Comprehensive ESG solutions, core retirement strategies, multi-asset diversification, and new ways of thinking about risk management and income. They're all in one place. Express your investment views and give yourself the freedom to go anywhere with S&P Dow Jones Indices. Search Indexology on the web or hashtag Indexology on Twitter and LinkedIn. My mission is simple, to make you money. I'm here to level the playing field for all investors. There's always a bull market somewhere, and I promise to help you find it. Mad Money starts now. Hey, I'm Kramer. Welcome to Mad Money. Welcome to Kramerica. Other people want to make friends. I'm just trying to make you some money. My job's not just to entertain, but to educate and teach you. So call me at 1-800-743-CBC or tweet me at Jim Kramer. You'd think, judging by all the crazy stories coming out of Washington, that President Trump would be totally unpredictable, but not when it comes to trade anymore. Earlier this week, I came out here and I warned you that if we got a strong employment number, the president would immediately start getting more aggressive with our trading partners and the stock market would get slammed in response. I said it was a given. That was easy. Boom. We got it right on schedule. Good jobs number. Threats of new tariffs against the Chinese. And the averages tumble. Dow closing off 79 points, S&P dipping 0.22%, NASDAQ declining 0.25%. I think it was coming down more if it weren't for the bell. For a while, it looked like that the market might rebound, but then we found out the tariffs could really hit much closer to our portfolio home than we thought. And then the market went right back down. Here's how the president put it. I'm going to quote him. I hate to do this, but there is another $267 billion ready to go on short notice if I want, end quote. Hey, listen, this is a big deal for you. It means there'll be tariffs on more than 90% of the stuff we import from China. He's actually pretty much going after everything, even some Apple products, products like like the Apple Watch, the AirPods. I mean, look, this only caused Apple to lose nearly two bucks today, and it took down a lot of tech stocks, too, in the last half hour. It means the low-level talks we've been having with the Chinese probably aren't going that well if they're going at all. Look, Trump's goals are pretty clear. This morning when I spoke to Larry Kudlow, the president's chief economic advisor, and my former Kudlow and Kramer co-host from CNBC, I asked him whether we press our advantage with China, given that our stock market is doing a heck of a lot better than theirs. S&P up 7%, Shanghai index down 18%. Listen to his answer. The president's view is not to destroy the Chinese economy. We're not trying to put them out of business. We're trying to get them to join the international trading nations world and be a citizen and abide by the rules for the first time in some 20 odd years. And if they lower their barriers and leave us to our technology innovation, you'll see a ton of American exports, which will shrink the trade deficit. That's the point. Boy, them's fighting words, huh? And hey, if there was ever a time to negotiate for more favorable trade deals, it is right now. It makes sense that the president would look at today's terrific employment number and decide to up the ante with China. But most professional money managers are just plain terrified. 
They want business as usual. They worry that President Trump and the Chinese government will keep escalating and in the end will all be poor for it. I think that shows a real failure of imagination, but Wall Street disagrees with me. Why does this matter? Because the president's predictability on trade has created a good news is bad news dynamic. Good news for the economy causes the White House to ratchet up trade tensions, which is viewed as bad news by the stock market. Which brings me to our game plan for this next week. I bet the Chinese are pretty shocked that the president may be willing to put a tariff on practically everything they make. Yeah, you should expect a response from China over the weekend. And that does not bode well for Monday's thinly traded session. Remember, Monday is Russia China. The Jewish New Year might be a tough day for the big industrial stocks. I keep telling you, you've got to be careful with the industrials and the techs that do a lot of business in China. We just trimmed, by the way, some Emerson from my charitable trust. Follow along by joining the ActionAlertsPlus.com club. Why exactly? For why I told you. Because the good news is now bad news in the White House. Unless the Chinese say yes which seems pretty unlikely, frankly. I expect to see some harsh retaliation. So be ready for a bit of a sell-off. Might be a good buying opportunity if the pain spreads beyond the Chinese-focused stocks, though. All right, next up, here's one we talked about, Sonos. Yeah, it reports on Monday. I've been pretty critical of this connected speaker play because the company's been around for ages and still doesn't have a consistent history of profitability. Some people think it's the next Roku. Have you seen that thing? I don't think it is. I think it's Sonos. Tuesday, we get a read on the German economy through a thing called the ZEW Index, Economic Survey. We also get a read on the Japanese service industry at the Tertiary Index, as well as a British labor report. Believe me, I don't want to pay attention to any of the stuff. You know how much I want to focus on stocks. But when you're in a trade war with pretty much everyone in the world, and that is the situation, don't kid yourself, you want to know what kind of cards the other side is holding. And you want to know, wait a second. Is the whole world slowing? In terms of individual companies, VF Corp has an analyst meeting. Okay, this is very important. Uh, apparel's red hot, but investors were a little non-plus, which, by the way, means confused, not negative. When uh, VF report, uh, recently announced it would spin off its low-margin jeans business. I think the stock's worth buying ahead of the meeting. I'm betting management tells a good story about how the breakup will actually create value, why it's logical why it will even make more money for shareholders than this great company has already. On Wednesday, we get the producer price index, a crucial gauge of inflation. And I expect it's going to come in hot. We're not going to like many of these numbers going forward, because when you combine a roaring economy, which we do have, with new tariffs, you get a toxic inflationary brew that the Fed must feel compelled to stop. And the way they do that, of course, is to raise interest rates. Hey, look, same thing goes for Thursday. Consumer price index, CPI. Uh, at this point, these two are just actions waiting to happen. Yeah, I'm a little cautious, okay? You get the tone here? We hear from Kroger on Thursday morning, too, and this stock's made an amazing comeback. The giant supermarket chain was supposed to get wrecked by Amazon after it invaded the, the industry with its Whole Foods acquisition. Since then, get this, Kroger's stock has run up about 50%. Like so many other retailers, they actually figured out how to listen to their, their customers and get them the products where they want, when they want, how they want. However, whatever it takes to keep that customer. And the supermarkets are also pretty immune, by the way, to world trade worries. The moves in some of these stocks are incredible. Did you see Costco up nearly five bucks today? Hey, if you own it, please don't sell it. It's going in the right direction. We also have one of the most important analyst meetings of the year. It's the UPS Confab. I am fascinated by this company. Now, there were a lot of, there's a lot of chatter on Wall Street today that you're going to hear bad things about how the company's doing when they meet. I don't think so. 
UPS is a terrific e-commerce winner. It would be a mistake during the register ahead of this. Matter of fact, you might want to buy some before and maybe buy some after. How much do I care about this? Well, here's what I had to say at the Comcast Center yesterday. Quick caution on UPS. Down about. No, buy it. Buy, buy it. Right. Just buy it. Just buy UPS. Buy Something's going on. I hate it when I equivocate like that. Waffler. It's like the Waffle House, isn't it? All right. On Friday, we hear from Dave & Buster's, the chain of restaurants full of games. Now, this is a huge play on the experiential economy, which is why I've been a major fan of the stock to begin with. Dave & Buster's is a consistent long-term winner in a world where so many large format retailers are pulling back. If you own a strip mall, you, uh, you can swap out one of them losers for a Dave & Buster's, and that'll bring in a lot more traffic for the whole place. I expect a good number. Finally, what do you do with tech after this tumultuous week? Look, there are plenty of tech stocks I like here, especially after the recent weakness, but I think there are better places to invest at the moment. You want domestic companies with even less international trade exposure? If, look, if even Apple might be getting hit with some tariffs, not from China, but from us, then tech is not immune. And there's one more layer to this. American companies that source their products in China are just one angry tweet away from estimate cuts, maybe large ones. So you got to be careful about that, too. Bottom line, just like I predicted, the president took advantage of a strong employment number and blasted the Chinese again. In fact, he blasted them a lot harder than even I expected him to. You can set your clock to it now. This is the new normal. Good news for the economy can turn into bad news for the economy. After 280 characters or less are banged out in some Twitter file. Sally in Connecticut. Sally! Hello, Mr. Kramer. Sorry. Many thanks for taking my call. Of course. It's our staff. They're great. Boy, they, they delivered they, yesterday like you wouldn't believe. What's up? They are. I am considering buying Universal Display Corporation that trades under the symbol OLED. To what extent will the new Apple iPhone, who I understand is using Universal Screen, have on this company. Well, Some okay. of this technology is above my pay grade, so yes, I look to you. Yes, so it's above all our pay grade. This is one of the hardest stocks in the world to invest or trade in because we really don't know what Apple's going to do. This stock got cut in half, come back. You know what? I liked it for a long time, but these days we're in a world where we've got some consistent cloud kings. We've got a bunch of companies that just keep delivering, and OLED is too hard. Sometimes we have to admit things are too hard. Justin in California. Justin. Hey, Jim. Hey, booyah. Booyah. Hey, I wanted to uh, ask you, TTD, the trade desk, is a stock that at one point I thought... Those I guys short. are good. They're smart. We haven't profiled them yet. That's my bad. They had a fabulous quarter. I think another one's coming. Nick in New York. Nick. Mr. Kramer. Yeah. Honor and privilege. Floor but- and decor. Earnings hurt real bad. 20% down. Slightly beat on EPS. Slightly missed on revenue. Guided just a tad down. And now for the, all of the month of August, trades relatively flat. Yesterday, takes another 5% haircut. HD was up, low was up. You're right. I know the CEO was over so, at the Golden Sachs conference. Well, I'm not well, sure well, well, why, why do we overcomplicate things? We got Home Depot. We got a new manager who's real good at Lowe's. And we got floor and decor. What do we got? to own them all? Home Depot at 190, I said, was unbelievable. And you know what? I'm reiterating Home Depot. And I, I, I have to tell you, if Lowe's comes down, probably worth buying, too. But don't buy them all. And floor and decor, sorry, guys. You're not in HD's league as much as I think you're good. All right, just the schedule. We got a strong employment number. 
and a flippin' blast in China. You can now set your clock to it. Oh, man, buddy, today, Elon Musk isn't the only one getting in on the cannabis craze. I'm eyeing a player in this space that's on a weed-to-know basis. Ha. Then, how does a stock take an unbelievable leap without getting a takeover bid? I'm going to reveal the secret tonight. And looking for opportunities in a rising interest rate environment, I'm eyeing an under-the-radar company that could be worth owning. So stay with Kramer. Don't miss a second of Mad Money. Follow at Jim Kramer on Twitter. Have a question? Tweet Kramer. Hashtag Mad Tweets. Send Jim an email to madmoney at CNBC.com or give us a call at 1-800-743-CNBC. Miss something? Head to madmoney.cnbc.com. CNBC's Workforce Executive Council is a premier group of C-suite human resources executives from leading companies across the country. It offers a members-only portal and chat, plus exclusive industry content, with access to breaking news calls and digital networking experiences. The network and resources HR leaders need now. Apply to the Workforce Executive Council at cnbccouncils.com slash WEC. know the marijuana business has arrived when a very high-profile CEO of a large-cap public company thinks it's a good idea to smoke a blunt on live video. Turns out Elon Musk's judgment was a little premature on that one, but the fact that he even tried it is a testament to the normalization of weed. Here in the U.S., we've been decriminalizing it in state after state, and in Canada, it becomes fully legal next month. Who thought we'd see the day when High Times would become a business magazine? And that's why the whole cannabis cohort has been smoking hot. But as much as I hate to be a buzzkill here, I need to do my job. Just like in real life, you have to be careful when you buy weed. Not all these pot stocks are created equal. There are good ones and there are bad ones, and it takes a real connoisseur to know which is which. That's why I'm on a mission to introduce these companies to you that I think are really interesting, like Take Green Thumb Industries. It's a Chicago-based company that trades in Canada. Green Thumb grows, processes, and sells marijuana in various different forms through its dispensaries. They now have seven manufacturing facilities and 13 retail locations under the Rise Dispensaries brand. They're both a retailer and a wholesaler. Think of them as a consumer packaged goods company, frankly, that just happens to get you high. Now, the sales growth here is exposed up 291% in the latest quarter, which is why the stock has rallied nearly 50% since we last heard from the company just back in June. Can it keep climbing? Let's check in with Ben Kohler. He is the chairman and CEO of Green Thumb Industries. Hear more about the latest quarter of the company's prospects. Mr. Kohler, welcome back to Mad Money. All right. Good to see you, Ben. Have a seat. Hey, Jim. All right, Ben, I think a lot of people are a little frivolous about this. They don't seem to get some of the issues. Uh, could you please go into the, uh, let's see, the fundamentals and details of the opiate replacement bill? And what that will mean, of course, it's also political, but it's about a gubernatorial race in Illinois. Yes. Thanks, Jim. Thanks to you and CNBC for having cannabis companies out here. We really appreciate it. It helps credentialize the space. Uh, In Illinois, it's on the verge of an inflection point. Okay, tell me. So the opioid epidemic in America is a real problem killing people. Yes. It killed nearly 50,000 Americans last year. And in Illinois, now with an opioid prescription, you will be able to walk in and legally have access to medical cannabis. So we see this as the beginning of the inflection point and the demand okay, for Okay, let's talk about it. Medical cannabis versus opiate. Addiction and perhaps death versus? Versus uh, life, 
right. no addiction, a good night's sleep, and no pain. Okay, fair so enough. So opioids are killing people in an epidemic, and cannabis has never killed anybody. All right, now tell me about, since we uh, talked to you last, States Act, something going on here that could make it so that your business could be better. Sure. Federal legislation is happening. People are working in Washington, D.C., uh, and we think there'll be clarity into this industry that'll give states the rights to uh, states the right to uh, to operate the business according to their rules and according to their laws. Well, that means uh, the end of mom and pop dispensaries and perhaps credit, which would therefore allow it to be larger stores, which therefore would allow it to be a little more regulated in a positive way. Definitely, it means clarity on banking. It means clarity on transacting, and it means clarity on investment. Well, let's talk about California. What are your plans for it? Because there's just so much money being made right now. There is so much going on in California. Uh, it's the largest populated state in the country, and we are watching it. But what's very important is there's essentially an unlimited amount of licenses in California. And we are studying markets with limited licenses. Right. Think- That's why you've avoided Oregon, right? Oregon is just flooded. Exactly. Right? We're watching limited supply where we can take an oligopolistic position and take a real market share ahead of this. Okay. So I'm from Pennsylvania. We were down there yesterday for the Eagles. And I'm reading about you in flower, F-L-O-W-E-R. What is that? So flower is the word for the cannabis segment, the category that you smoke. Back in the old days, you found flower in a plastic baggie, and that was weed. Now that's only about 50% of the product is smoked, and that's called flour. The other half are consumer packaged goods, branded product that is manufactured, often not smoked, but consumed to give an American consumer an elevated or enhanced lifestyle. Better night's sleep, lack of pain, nice night out, several different alternatives. Can you do all these? I know you want to be vertically integrated. This is a, can you produce enough? We are rapidly scaling the business. We are rapidly growing. There is a tidal wave of demand for this product. And you raised some money, so we're not concerned that you're going to come out right now and have to do some sort of bought deal. That's a done deal, right? We did a bought deal. We're using those proceeds to acquire one of the 10 licenses in New York State. We think it's an unprecedented opportunity. Uh, Massachusetts, where are you? Growing, we have one store open, Rise Amherst, and we see adult use or recreation coming to Massachusetts very soon. I understand that there are some uh, rear guard uh, organizations that want to stop Massachusetts or slow it down. No, I mean, the, really? the program is going, it passed, it's going to happen. Well, what I was saying is that they did prove it a while ago, but no one seems to know where to go. The supply chain is working itself out. I think when we're back in six months, 12 months, you'll see a robust adult use program, the first one on the East Coast, and it'll be another game changer for this industry. Last uh, thing that I think is on a lot of people's minds, uh, organic and natural or pesticides and chemicals? No pesticides, no no chemicals, all natural. Okay, because you know that many of your competitors are not going that way. Yeah, it's a rapidly changing industry. We are in favor of tight regulation. We are in favor of testing. All of our product is tested, labeled, pesticide-free. Wow, okay. So far, we've been right with you. I think we stick with you. Okay, that is Ben Colbert. He's the founder, chairman, and CEO of Green Thumb Industries. And this has been one that we have done a lot of work on and think it is right, but of course, speculative, but right. Bad Money's back after the break. When a stock makes a remarkable move in a single session, it's usually all about one thing. Execution. The thing about execution, though, is that it's very much double-edged short. When the execution is amazing, your stock explodes higher. 
Take Broadcom, run by the redoubtable Hawk Tan, who's made numerous acquisitions and turned almost all of them into home runs. Not long ago, he tried to buy Qualcomm. What a great company that is. But the U.S. government shot down the deal for trumped-up national security reasons. So instead, Broadcom did something very unusual. The semiconductor maker went out and bought a software company, CA Technologies, that works with mainframe computers. And it cost nearly $19 billion. It seemed like a totally out-of-character move. Where's the semi-business? No. But on last night's conference call, we heard about a company brimming with cash that's going to pay a substantially higher dividend while buying back a tremendous amount of stock. Hocktan is truly a rock star when it comes to his shareholders, both because he's so good at his job and because he's a lot more friendly than the typical chief executive. Stock surged 16 or $16 or 7.5% today. I think it's got more to run because of how friendly Hocktan is to you if you own the stock. Now, we saw something similar from Five Below today. The chain that sells trinkets for five bucks or less is textbook. Textbook example of the kind of regional to national growth story that Wall Street can't get enough of. Right now, Five Below has 692 stores in 33 states, meaning they have an established concept. The company still has a long runway ahead that could fuel for uh, growth for many years, though, obviously, if that's all the states they're in. I like the stock even up 15 bucks or 13 percent today. Can you believe that? Five Below just has so much room to expand, and it sure doesn't hurt that there are endless vacancies in mall after mall that they can move into. This is a retail dream come true, and you know we've liked it for a while. Philadelphia-based, by the way. But companies that live by execution, they can die by execution. Just look at Tesla, which saw its stock plummet $17 or 6% today, and not because the numbers were bad or they had to recall a car or really anything to do with the numbers at all. Nope. CEO Elon Musk simply decided to give an interview where he smoked pot on camera. Now, that may be legal in California, but somebody should tell him it is still a class one felony in our nation. FYI, if you're the CEO of a publicly traded company and you plan on doing drugs, may I suggest, well, I don't want to recommend it to begin with, but maybe you should uh, stop yourself and don't do it on camera. Now, this is the ultimate unforced error. Sometimes I wonder if Musk is trying to make the board of directors remove him. Now, there are plenty of people who love Tesla because it's all electric cars represent the future of the auto industry. I don't deny that. I want you to take a look at what retired Eagle great Brent Selleck told us yesterday in Philadelphia at the Comcast Center. I like their the Model 3 that they, they came out with. I can't personally I want to get the pickup truck. Um, can't wait till they come out with the semi. I think they got a lot of good things in the pipeline, the, the solar roof that they're coming out with. So I think they're, they're a great company. My right, solar roof, uh, uh, pickup truck, those are all great things. But you know what matters? I think Tesla's bonds are more important than any of that. Specifically, the bonds due in 2025, those are the one I follow. They fell hard today, dropping to an all-time low. At one point, they yielded nearly 8.9%. What else is driving the stock down besides much questionable cannabis kerfuffle? Well, how about the departure of the chief accounting officer after just a month on the job? That sure didn't help. Look, as much as you may like Tesla's cars, as I do, you should be following the bonds, looking for signs of health. And what we're seeing in the bonds right now does not look good. Personally, I'm still reeling from that New York Times interview by my friend Jim Stewart, which made Musk sound like he needed to take some sort of medical leave. The man's not well. At the end of the day, execution is everything in this business, and a company with great execution will likely see its stock go higher. And if your CEO seems to be losing it, you should expect to be punished by both the stock and the bond market. Chris in Kansas. Chris. Hey, how you doing, Jim? 
Oh, Chris, I'm great. You know why? The birds won last night. What's going on? Hey, uh, I'm a new investor. I just want to let you know, first off, I really enjoy your show. Thank you. Um, I have a, I have a two-part question here. Uh, one, what do you think of the Chrono stock? And two, do you think with Elon Musk doing what he did on his podcast with the supposed smoking the marijuana and the new revelation of the Air Force looking into it, do you think that's going to hurt the marijuana stocks? Uh, no, I don't think it'll hurt the marijuana stocks. Uh, Kronos, look, I mean, I've been saying that Canopy is the one that I feel most comfortable with. Why? Because Rob Sands, a very hard-nosed businessman from Constellation, has bought a big stake in it. So that's the one I, wanna, I want you to be in. I do have a, a, another speculative that I like in the group. But that's a different story for, um, you know, later on. All right, let's go to Mitch in New Jersey. Mitch. Hi, Jim. How are you? I am good, Mitch. How about you? Great, thanks. Great. Um, I watched your segment yesterday on FANG, and I'm a long-term holder of STM Micro. I'm interested in your perspective on the long-term future uh, with their new CEO. And their chips are readily used both in the upcoming um, iPhones as well as throughout uh, IoT devices and the automotive industry. So, you know, market right. trends are what they are in terms of tech. It goes up, it goes down. But I'm interested in, in your perspective sure. on the well, company. Well, what happened um, there, you actually term. mentioned it, auto industry. If it's connected with the auto industry, nobody wants it. Uh, I think that's a mistake. But I've got to tell you, you, when you think that the market's making a mistake and you think it's a mistake and think it's a mistake, eventually the stock goes down 16%. Obviously, the market wasn't wrong. You were. All right. Execution matters. It can take a company's stock higher or, in some cases, much lower, including bonds. And that's why Tesla's a train you might want to stay off of. Not recommending shorty. That's not what we do in this show. We don't do that. All right, much more may have money ahead. You may use the, the ratings uh, to judge some of your portfolio holdings, but how should you judge the stock? I'm going to sit down with the CEO of S&P Global to find out. Then uh, Chip from Joanna uh, from HGTV's Fixer Upper probably aren't going to be renovating your house anytime soon, but there's one company that can help. And all your calls rapid fire in tonight's edition of The Lightning Round. Monday, kick off the trading day with Squawk on the Street. Live from Post 9 at the NYSE. The best a man can get? You're Jim <laughs> Cannabis Kramer. Well, I'm Jim Stock Kramer. I'm Jim Happy Kramer. Because, as Larry said, yep. gotta get happy. Come yep. on, get happy, everybody. It all starts at 9 a.m. Eastern. When the economy's roaring, and it's definitely still roaring with that great employment number we got today, you have to expect bond yields will keep moving hard, which again is what happened. <laughs> they were pretty moved up a lot today, even if they've installed for the past few months. Other than the banks, most companies don't like rising interest rates, but there are some exceptions, like the ratings agencies. These are companies that help evaluate the riskiness of all sorts of debt instruments. They're the ones who tell if your bond is a triple A or double A or BB or just junk. Which brings me to S&P Global. Wow, is this a great company, SPGI. You know, it's a company formerly known as McGraw-Hill Financial. S&P gets most of its money from the ratings business, but they 
also have this really interesting market intelligence division. Gives all sorts of professional traders and investors the data and analytics to, analytic tools they need. And of course, they're the guys who run the S&P 500, along with a host of other indices, and they collect fees from everyone who makes an S&P or Dow Jones Index Fund or ETF. Now, S&P stock roared higher earlier this year, but it's been stalling out a little bit over the past couple of months. It's still up more than 20% for 2018, on top of a 50% gain in 2017. The company's most recent quarter was solid. It's just that the stocks of the rating agencies were rising in tandem with long-term interest rates. So when rates seemed to temporarily peak earlier this summer, S&P seemed to lose some of its mojo. The question is, have we missed the move, or does this thing have more to run, or maybe that's just the wrong metric that it's trading with? Let's take a closer look with Doug Peterson, the president and CEO of S&P Global, to learn more about how his company's doing and where it's headed. Mr. Peterson, welcome to Mad Money. Good to see you, sir. Thank, Thank you, you so much for coming on. Have a seat. Now, I, I, I got to tell you, I look at your company and what an extraordinary company you have. And I just think it's fintech, meaning that it's got secular growth, bought back a lot of stock, generated a lot of cash, and that the linkage to the long-term bond is just wrong. Well, f- first of all, thanks for having me here today. And, and can you imagine a more exciting time to be in a company like S&P Global with our rating agency, the index business, market intelligence, Platts, uh, which is our commodities analytics right. business. And, and we're implying the, the fintech, the technology, and it, this is an exciting time. And we do watch all of the things you talk about every day. We watch the interest rates. We watch what's happening with economic growth. Today, we are very carefully watching what happened with the employment. So these, these are themes that are embedded across the company. But at the same time, I've been watching your acquisitions, whether it be Kensha, whether it be Rate Watch, which I'm quite familiar with, uh, a, a, along with SNL, which I've always loved. That's not a new acquisition. I'm looking at what I regard as data that actually is indispensable regardless of what rates do. Yeah, what we're, we're really embedded. I, the way I talk about it, we're embedded in the fabric of the financial markets okay. between the ratings, which, which are used in so many different ways, you won't believe it, by, to benchmark performance mm-hmm. by traders, by analysts, by risk managers. The, the indexes, you see them used as benchmarks for ETS, for, again, for trading. Our, our, every day you have Brent across the bottom of your screen. That's a, that's a Platts but, benchmark. But people have to understand that. You have to pay to get this stuff. I think people kind of feel like, well, wait a second, I watch it on TV. But if you're involved day to day, S&P gets money. We're a business that actually has been, the, we've been in data business for over 150 years. And we know that how to monetize data. We know that it's utilized in a way that's it's embedded and it's necessary for people to make decisions. And we have subscription businesses and we have transaction businesses. And, and this, is, this is our business model. And one of the things you just referred to is we've been enhancing our business by adding in new capabilities, new data feeds. And one of the biggest themes that's growing up right now is alternative data. And another one is ESG. So as we have this platform today of, of foundational analytics tools, we're starting to find demand for new things that we keep adding into our portfolio. Well, let's talk about China then. I mean, you're in the news today in China. I mean, uh, China wants to be part of the of uh, it wants to be a legitimate nation and it wants to be rated. At the same time, they have to come to you. No one's going to trust anybody other than your ratings. Well, China's market, it's the, it's the second largest economy in the world. It's the third largest bond market. It's still essentially a bank market when you, go to the, when you look at their financial markets. The, most of the corporate debt is on bank balance sheets, and even the loans, even the bonds are on bank balance sheets. But they need to start incorporating themselves into the global economy. And that means they need to have a bond yield. They need a yield curve. They've got to have a credit risk curve. They have to open up their capital account. And, and as they start doing it, they're doing it in a way that, that seems to be 
be very thoughtful. And we've been building relationships there, and we think that they're going to be looking at not just the ratings, but also the data products and, and other market uh, analytics as well. All right, let's say there's some bad news at a company. Uh, an accounting officer leaves, or maybe we got some sort of line that doesn't seem to uh, jive with other lines uh, in, on an income statement. You have people who are looking for those things and will say to you or to someone, we ought to downgrade that debt, but it, it could be dangerous? We have 1,500 analysts around the world and then other people around them who are data people, data scientists, data uh, engineers, publishing people, et cetera. Those 1,500 analysts are not only analyzing companies, analyzing governments, financial institutions, and issuing the ratings when a bond goes out. They also surveil them. And so they're watching. We have certain ways we look at indicators frequently, looking at bond spreads, at CDSs, so we know what, what the market indicators are. But something comes up, uh, some news comes up, a change of management, news yeah. comes up, a change in financial statements. We would go, to, we would go back and we'd look at that. And I'm not involved in that. Okay. I'm very independent from the, from the ratings analysts themselves. We, we yeah, have but I'm sure that you make sure that, them. that we don't go back in situations like 2007, 2008, where people weren't as tough. I mean, you're, I'm sure you're tougher and more rigorous than those days. Well, one thing that's interesting that we've added in, in from those days is uh, ways to connect the dots. So we have ways that our sovereign analysts, our financial analysts, our corporate analysts, uh, energy, commodities, et cetera, they get together and they talk, not just in the region, but also globally. And we look for credit indicators. We look for credit bubbles. We look for credit risk. Okay. And, and this is something so that it gets then built across the entire practice. Well, that's exactly what we need in the fixed income market, no doubt about it. Okay, that's Doug Peterson, the president and CEO of S&P Global. What a fabulous business model. Thank you again, Doug. Thank great you. Great to see you, sir. Yeah, great to see you. Thanks. Everybody's back there. He would just look, and he would say, Jimmy, you made it. Jimmy, you made it. We're in the inner sanctum. I love it here. I love it here so much. He's our best, but he cannot, he can't play. <laughs> this guy's the best. He can't play for, what, six weeks? Yeah, so for six weeks. weeks. Hey, this is part of the training rehab right here. Good luck, and yeah. I can't wait to see you back on the yeah, field. Home sweet home. Home sweet home is quiet. Home sweet home is right. What a day we had in Philadelphia. Thank you to everybody at Genos. Thank you to everybody who helped us out. And now it is time. It's time for the lightning And then the lightning round is over. Are you ready? Ski dance over the lightning round. I want to start with Jack in Pennsylvania. Jack. Hey, this is Jack from Philly. Go birds, Jim. Go birds. Hey, uh, you know, I've watched the show all the time. You're a savior for us, little guy. Anyway. Oh, thank you, buddy. Thank you. You're so welcome. I'm watching your show, and you're talking about Urban Outfitters. And uh, I go ahead and do my homework and get some Urban Outfitters, and they crush the estimate. The next morning on the open of business, their stock went haywire, and I really blew my position. In other words, it didn't go straight up. What well, do you do? Well, look, the stock has doubled. 
We know that. It's incredibly well run. It's a long runway. I think you buy more if the market's down on Monday, as I suspect it will be. How about Rob in Connecticut? Rob. Mega booyahs from the land of high taxes, Jim. Thank you for everything you do for us investors. Oh, you're quite welcome. I, I, I got some lands of high taxes myself. How can I help? Okay, I'm calling about CenturyLink. The management says that their very high dividend is safe, but the real reason I'm calling is they have an overcapacity of fiber and data uh, bandwidth. With the advent of, you know, everybody needs more and more data, and with 5G coming on and that massive data inflow from the telcos, is this a growth stock in the making? I think, it's, I think it's a good value stock. I do believe it. The yield is safe there the last quarter. By the way, they're from Monroe, Louisiana. You know who's from Monroe, Louisiana? Coach Peterson. That's right. Eagles. All right, let's go to Jim in Illinois. Jim. Jim, this is Jim from Illinois. I like okay. to listen to the Star Eagle Booyah. Yes. Uh, my stock is... Uh, they had actually had a good quarter at net. They're now actually doing better than tech data. It was a surprise how good that quarter was. How about Phil and Marilyn? Phil. Hello, Dr. Kramer. Thank Ooh. you for helping all investors. Your show is always entertaining and fun. Thank you. What do you think uh, about a long-standing company, Pitney Bowes, today? I don't think that they've been able to pivot effectively, frankly. I think that they're still like the old days. And you know, with digitization, you got to roll with the punches. Lauren in California, Lauren. Booyah, Jim. Thank you so much. You've helped me so much in my life. Thank you, because, man, are we ever trying. We are trying. Thank you. How do I help? I'm a success story of your show. Listen, United Healthcare, they hit that record high this morning, okay? Do I want to get in now? No, no, they had a record high, but then they finished lower, which means there's going to be, that's going to bring out sellers. You probably take it down to like 261, 262. Look at Centene, too. Let that one come in. And then, bye, 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 bye. Kyle, Wisconsin, Kyle. Booyah, Kramer. How's how's it going, buddy? I got to tell you. Lombardi Trophy is coming back home to Green Bay, my friend. No, actually, actually, we're the team to beat. Uh, next caller, do we have to finish with this gentleman? Is he the commissioner, hey. Kyle? Cookie? I Go wish. Ahead, Cookie. I wish. Hey, Kramer, uh, I want to know about General Mills. It looks good. What do you want to know about it? You know what? It's going to be It's finishing like Green Bay this year. It's kind of a mid-range. I don't think it's going to make the playoffs. Okay? Playoffs? Playoffs? I mean, they're not even going to be in the season. I like the stock okay. It's not great. I'm going to take another. Let's go to you because I don't want to end on that that miserable note. Holy cow. Let's go to Robert in Texas. Robert. Hey, Jim. Texas hey, Booyah for you. Booyah. Um, I'm looking for your comments on Therapeutics MD, symbol TXMD. Okay, remember, we did this. We, we profiled them a couple times because they do women therapeutics, but it is strictly spec. It's an okay spec. And that, ladies and gentlemen, conclusion of the Lightning Round. The Lightning Round is sponsored by TD Ameritrade. Welcome to September. Yeah! A big city of brotherly love. Booyah to you, Jim. On your way. Welcome home. Too much concrete. 
And I got to tell you something, the only concrete I'm like right here is Concrete Charlie. Yes, he used to play one of the late greats for the Philadelphia Eagles. Doesn't this man sound like he's from, perhaps, the wrong end of the state? <laughs> I'm Jim Cramer, and I will see you tomorrow! know us, we're always on the hunt for innovators, for privately held startups with disruptive technologies that have the potential to upend entire industries. Take Howls. That's right, the revolutionary app that lets you remodel your house. This thing's incredible. You go to their website or open the app, and it lets you visualize what all sorts of furniture and fixtures will look like when it's inside your house. Then you can buy the stuff directly from their online marketplace. I think this is a genius idea. Millennials hate leaving the house to shop. And people of all generations hate shopping for furniture. I haven't seen any statistics on this, but I bet good money. The trips to Ikea are a leading cause of divorce. Joking. House takes all of the horrible parts out of the equation. I think it's a game changer. Earlier this week, I got a terrific chance to check in with Addie Tatarko, okay? And she's the co-founder and CEO of House, which is H-O-U-Z-Z. I want you to take a look. Adi, you are a hero and an inspiration to many because what you've created, and I want you to describe why you created it, because you kind of backed into it, and how much the company has been valued at, at least in terms of the press reports. Oh, boy. Um, why did we create it um, is because my husband and I just had big dream of remodeling uh, our very old home, our first home ever, and that dream was a nightmare, uh, okay. and and we just had to build the right technologies to make it much better for us and for our community, and that grew quite a bit since that side project for the community, and the community grew to be many tens of millions of people with uh, many professionals involved as part of the ecosystem, and the business just followed that. I don't love talking about well, numbers. Well, I will. Some doing. say this it's worth not... $4 billion. And since, I've seen, and since yes. I've seen you last, you've hired a chief financial officer we from did. LinkedIn. That we would did. indicate that you've got big dreams that can also be big reality for the people one day. Who are uh, <laughs> what it would indicate, Jim, is that the business did grow quite a bit, right. and we got to the growth stages where... Uh, having a first-time CFO and a relevant one to support us at these growth stages uh, became essential. Rich Wong did join, and he's great, and we're building. We were just ready for him. Okay, I want to talk about something that our viewers are worried about, which is they say that there's a slowing in housing. We keep hearing it, and mortgage rates went up. I think it's too parochial. I think that there's more to housing, and that just because mortgage rates went up doesn't mean that houses business has been hurt, right? It's actually unbelievable to look at the numbers. So we are obviously on the research side, looking both um, on the homeowner side confidence as well as um, the professional confidence, mm -hmm. the trade. And I can tell you that our research department about our um, homeowners is saying that the level of consumer confidence is at a high since 2000. So everybody is expecting this year to continue the trend of the last three years. And they do plan massive renovations of their homes. On the um, trade side, right. it's that level of confidence. They do think that the business will grow at least 10 percent this year. And for small businesses, the con construction and design, this is pretty meaningful, 10 percent. So very optimistic. 
am I looking at you too, uh, too small? I, I, this is a great <laughs> worldwide business, right? And there's it's, no reason why this is uh, United States business. Jim, this is a very big business. When we started as the first homeowners, we realized we have a big problem, and then we looked at the industry as a whole, and oh my God, this was such a fragmented offline, but huge industry that was waiting for the right technology to come and bring it online. Uh, just between North America and Europe alone, we're talking about $1.2 trillion that leaves offline, but gradually moving uh, permanently online. And we're leading this transformation with technology. So it's a huge opportunity. Technology, well, we had Williams-Sonoma on recently, and they talked about 3D technology. It must be hard to keep up with a company that's doing that. It's the best because we lead this transformation on that front. As a technology company, we are the innovators that come first with all these tools. Uh, when we launched last year our 3D tool, we had one million products available, which nobody can claim for, for that volume. And you know what? We do see the consumer engagement with that. They are 11x. We talked about right. it last time. Right. We're likely to purchase. So, yes, technology is, is the front of the company, and we're leading the transformation across the board. All right. Well, I mentioned my wife last time. She likes to browse. All right. You can't make money from a browser. How does someone make money from people just looking at things? Ah, this is where you go back to the data, because our flywheel is the community using and leveraging the data that was there from their one. So we have 17 million photos that your wife loves browsing, Jim, and each one of these photos is connected to the professionals that created the spaces. It gives you all the data about who you can hire, how they did it, the measurement, the products and materials. And now you can hire the professionals in your local area or not in other areas, too, and you can complete the project by buying the product and materials. So the business follows what the community is doing by providing this data and categorizing it and personalizing it. It's a big trend and it's working. Well, it sure is. And look, congratulations on all of your success. And I totally understand. Let me say that you're doing incredibly well. Oh, thank you. You're too humble. And I know how it's working for you. Thank you, Jim. Oh, of course. That's Addie Tatarko. She's the co-founder and CEO of House, H-O-U-Z-Z. Adi, thank you so much. Thank you. That was great. All right, remember, here's the worst case. Apple has to raise prices for some of its products, and it's not necessarily the end of the world, even though what I heard today was it was the end of the world. Come on. It may not be a great time, but we will get through this together as long as you do not panic. I like to say there's always a bull market somewhere. I promise I'll find it just for you right here on Mad Money. I'm Jim Cramer, and I will see you Monday. I want people to feel like they just learned something. We have journalists in the far corners of the universe. I can't wait to get all of those resources under one hour-long newscast where we can deliver the facts of the day clearly and concisely in context and with perspective and tell people what's happening, what it all means. Get the truth, not the spin. The News with Shepard Smith. Subscribe to the podcast today.